You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Wednesday? Uh, it was day two of Steeler Minicamp. We conclude tomorrow, and then there's the long break before training camp, but that gets here before you know it. How is everyone doing? Great to chat with you yet again. I want to tell you, you can get your Locked On NFL podcast on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And do me a favor, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NFL. Um... As always on Wednesday, I am Mark Schofield. Mark, what is up, dude? Doing not much, buddy. Doing well, doing well. How are you, my friend? I am very good. I can't complain at all. Had a birthday since we spoke last. Things are well. The weather's been great. Getting outside, doing a lot of outdoorsy kind of stuff. So, uh, it's putting a smile on my face. So, good stuff. Glad to talk to you yet again. We're going to keep up the trend. If you didn't listen to last Wednesday, well, shame on you, first of all. But we went through four teams that made coaching changes and kind of looked through it through a fantasy perspective, but basically a lens of how do we expect these offenses to change. And we still have the Broncos, Packers, Bucks, and Cardinals to address. So let's dig right in, brother. You know, Denver, what are your thoughts on how things are going to be changing there? Well, I mean, you sort of teed it up, Matt, and that we're doing this through a fantasy lens. And while we have seen traditionally that rookie tight ends sometimes struggle, I know we talked about yeah. that last week when we talked about Mike Jacecki and that Dolphins offense. If I'm going to go all in on a rookie tight end from a fantasy perspective, give me some Noah fan. Really? Uh, when you think about two things, one – Scandrello, he's coming from that sort of Kubiak-esque type of background. We expect that's what they want to run. They always hired Kubiak himself. We know that that offense likes to throw to the tight ends. And who are they bringing over? Joe Flacco. And Matt, you know this perhaps better than anybody. What does Joe Flacco like to do? Throw to the tight ends. And so I He always has his whoopee eyes, how I've said it. You know, yeah, like exactly. for a while it was Mason when he came in the league. Yep. It's been tight ends for sure. Uh, Bolden have filled that role, and lately uh, hasn't I mean, really had it in Baltimore. And they're easy throws. I mean, they're a safety blanket. They're easy throws off of boot action where mm-hmm. you get that sort of slam route from the tight end where he blocks down and just releases to the flat. And that's something that a rookie tight end can do. And so I think we're going to see a lot of outside zone with Philip Lindsay, a lot of boot action working off of that, and a lot of throws to tight ends. And so I think fans in a nice position to put up some numbers early, even as a rookie tight end. And when you look around at the rest of the passing game, Emmanuel Sanders, look, dealing with some injury stuff. Deshaun Hamilton is a nice piece, but I don't know if they're running an offense through him. Cortland Sutton, I mean, there are some question marks at the wide receiver spots. And so I think tight end is going to be a big part of this offense schematically. And I think it fits really well with what Noah Fan can bring to the table as a rookie. And so that's where I would expect a lot of throws to go. And I think they're going to look, they're going to try to establish the run. They got a, they're one of those teams that has a true fullback, and they're going to use Andy Janovich a lot. So they're going to run the ball that way as well. And he might see some throws, but I like what Noah Fan could bring from a fantasy perspective as well as a real world perspective to this offense. I do too. And. Although I kind of have a negative take on this offense, and I don't have a crystal ball in front of me, but my thoughts are defensive-minded head coach picked up an elite offensive line coach, 
added some additions to the offensive line in free agency and early in the draft. And frankly, I think their quarterback position is just going to be a liability all year long. You know, when, when the bullets start flying, I don't expect Flacco to be any better than he was. Scheme might help him a little. And when Locke gets in there, if that happens, I don't expect that to go well either. So I kind of think when we get to October, Halloween, you and I are going to be talking about the Broncos saying, boy, this is a conservative football team that is running the ball with that zone scheme, maybe making some easy throws, maybe taking some deep shots here and there, but being very run-oriented and trying to win with defense. Like, I don't see a lot of plays being, you know, a lot of plays run by this team. I think that when it's said and done, and Fangio has a really strong feel for what his team is, and they're, you know, 3-3 three and three or 2-4, and four, they're going to say, this thing has to go through the running game. And my hunch, it might even be Royce Freeman more than Lindsey. Really? Yeah, that's just a hunch. I'm starting to lean that way. I think it'll be a true committee. I think Freeman will really benefit from the new blocking scheme. And I don't love either is is really the answer. I, I don't think Lindsey's all that impressive, nor built for a lot of touches. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, one that I really sort of hadn't thought about, is that, you know, you might see more of a committee look at the running back spot. And that is probably something to keep in mind, because when you're looking at things from a fantasy perspective, you are sort of concerned with opportunity and touches. I am interested, in a sense, in how Fangio is going to approach that sort of run run past balance Mm -hmm. when you look back to his introductory press conference i was struck by this and i'm going to sort of quote from it you know he says we talked about an offensive philosophy and i believe in balance but with balance what immediately comes to mind is run and pass there are other things i think that need to be balanced in offensive play do you throw it short intermediate or deep do you run inside outside or have deceptives when i say balance i'm not necessarily talking about how many runs and how many passes you need to have balance within your passing game and in your running game and so my immediate thought, and perhaps this is the optimistic glass half full approach, is he's not going to go all in sort of on it. we got to establish the run. You know, he's going to want to do things, you know, in a mixed way to have that sort of balance. Now, the pessimistic glass half empty approach is probably this is still a defensive minded head coach. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when push comes to shove, Matt, defensive minded head coaches like to say, we got to be physical. We got to impose our will. We're going to run the football. And so I just wanted to put that out there. Maybe it's more Fangio saying the right things at the start, and eventually he's going to get back to his true core, as defensive-minded head coaches tend to do. Fan or Fant aside, what receivers do you see stepping up? I, I can't say I'm blown away with Sutton. Uh, Hamilton was actually more impressive down the stretch to me in their rookie seasons. I fear that Emmanuel Sanders isn't long for this world. Yeah, and you know, you get the Instagram videos posted of him working out and stuff with Philip Lindsay and showing some wheels on the treadmill. I don't know about that. Yeah, I right, don't right. About that, right? And, you know, it's one of those things where if you post the video of you working out, what are you really trying to show here, right? Mm-hmm. And so I look at the I'm two, fine. Don't so, worry. Yeah, well, I'm fine. No worries. The guys that aren't fine aren't putting that out. Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> 
So I come to Hamilton and I come to Sutton. Of the two, if I were to put money on it, I would put my money on Hamilton. But you know, he's a player that I, I studied a bit while I was watching Trace McSorley over the past couple of years. I got to see him live when I went up to Penn State to take it a game when they were playing Indiana. I wouldn't say one Barkley went house on the opening kickoff and you were just like, okay, that guy is special. But I went there to watch Barkley and McSorley and I came away like, Hamilton's a nice little receiver. He seems to always be open, caught a couple touchdowns in that game. And, you know, I think he's one of those guys that because of the offense they ran, they didn't throw it a ton. He was sort of overlooked in the draft process, just came off the board in the fourth round. But he always seems to be open. He's a nice technically sound receiver, I think. And so that would be where I would put my money as far as a receiving option for this offense. Sutton needs to do more to gain my confidence. But Sutton, Hamilton, Fant is a nice trio for the next four, six, eight years, who knows. And my hunch is kind of like you started with conversation. Maybe Fant's the one that ends up being the leading receiver for the long haul. I, that, I think let's, let's put it this way. Or the best of them. Maybe not the most catches. For the time period that Flacco is their starting quarterback, I think Fant's going to be that guy. Okay. When we get to Drew Locke though, I think you might see whether it's Sutton or Hamilton or a combination of those two sort of start to see more targets because you look at spray charts for Drew Locke and he, for three out of the four years he was a starter, he was running Baylor's offense. Everything was numbers and outside. And so that's where you're going to see wide receiver targets. When Derek Dooley came to Missouri, yeah, you saw more of a pro-style, college pro-style offense where he's doing some stuff over the middle between the hash marks. But when Locke is on the field, you're going to see the receivers get a lot more opportunities, I think. Yeah, I think you might be right about that. And there probably will be a speed receiver to be named later, you know, in the whole big picture. Um, Folks, today's show is brought to you by Grip 6 Ultra Lightweight Belts. They have no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-K-E, after our founder, David Locke. Grip6.com slash lock. All right, we are back to discuss the Packers. You and I have talked about this quite a bit, and not to poke fun, but have sort of made light of the route combinations, passing attack under McCarthy in his you know final years there, and it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, I mean, we, we hope it's a lot different. And right. let's just say the first time they run slant flat, You are going to hear the timeline, not just see it. You will hear the timeline have a meltdown because that was it, Matt, right? Every time they ran slant, slant, flat, one, two, two, one, whatever you want to call it, however you term it in your offense, it seemed like they ran it all the time and it seemed like it got stale. Now we expect with LaFleur that they are going to be making much more effective use of space because that is sort of a core element to a Sean McVay offense forcing the defense to play you sideline to sideline, line of scrimmage and deep. And so they are going to be better spaced concepts, we hope. So we expect Aaron Rodgers to rebound because let's face it, and the numbers analytics community, there's been this little murmur that's getting a little bit louder over the past season and a half or so. Like you could say since like 2015, who has better numbers? Andy Dalton. Or Aaron Rodgers, because their numbers have been comparable. Yeah. You look at you know advanced metrics and things like that, Rodgers has dipped. And the belief in the X's and O's world is that it was because McCarthy got stale. And so an injection of new concepts, some new stuff 
to to challenge the kid because you know when we were all going through school there was that kid that was really smarter than everybody else like i had a kid when i was in my senior year in high school there was a kid that was like a, a ninth grader in my like senior ap math class because he was that just just that much smarter than everybody he was just bored and maybe that's where Aaron Rodgers was and so maybe lafleur challenges that's a bit. also the shortcut though game. you know that that's, is also that's the also the easy right? path right yeah, and so does Rodgers thrive in this new system, or is there more to this potential decline that we've seen over the past couple of years? So I'm very interested to see. My expectation is Rodgers is going to have a nice, fantastic type of year. He's going to be the Aaron Rodgers of old, and everybody can stop worrying about it. But there's that butt factor there, right? Yeah. Maybe not. So I'm curious. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am at, too. Like. And the word I keep using is embrace. Will, will Rogers yep. embrace the new system? Will he dive in the deep end and love it and eat it up? You know, did he watch Goff and guys that he knows he's better than just get benefited from the system left and right and couldn't stand it anymore? And, hey, we need to make a change here because imagine what I would do in the Rams system. I mean, like, that's scary. Or does right. he say... Dude, I've won MVPs. I'm the best player in the league. I don't want to hear it, youngster. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. You you don't have the 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 carte blanche to come correct me. I don't want to hear it. You know what's silly, but gives me hope about Rogers, is this this whole beer chugging thing, right? Which is kind of taken okay. on a life of its own. Yeah. All right. But to hear Aaron Rodgers say this quote for some of them. There's finally a talent where they can say they are better than me. And I know it sounds silly. But the competitiveness. But one of the driving factors is the competitive nature of some of these guys. You know, and for example, last year, I think it was Bruce Arians was talking about Tom Brady. He said, look, when you've got him with a chance to go up against some of these young bucks, the Andrew Lux, the Patrick Mahomes, he dials the competitive up even more beyond what Tom Brady normally does because he wants to show these kids up. I think as silly as it might sound, this whole little beer chugging thing that started with Aaron Rodgers on camera struggling courtside, that seemed to have lit a silly fire under him. And to hear him say something like that, maybe – Maybe this dumb little thing becomes something more. Maybe that little competitive fire in Rodgers starts to shine. So I think we might get that by it. He might sort of embrace what LaFer wants to do because he doesn't want to be thought of, as some people have said, not the best quarterback in even his division. There have been people saying it's Trubisky or maybe it's somebody else. It's insanity. (laughs) But the fact that people are saying that, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you probably want to say, look, all right, let's see what this year is going to be about. I don't know he was super healthy from start to finish last year either. I mean, a right. lot of throwaways, let's not extend the play, get me out of here. I'm not as interested in, you know, six seconds into the play. If you think back to open night, their Sunday nighter, I remember, and you could search the tweet, maybe you'll make me eat it, but when he got carted off with that little knee twist, he looked like a guy that I tweeted on. I was like, he looks like a guy that thinks he's done. Like yeah. it looked to me like he thought right. this was like ACL. My season is over here after, you know, an awkward season last year. We had to deal with injuries he, in his eyes. It looked like he thought he was done. So maybe, yeah, he gets injected or whatever they did to him at halftime. And he comes back and he plays. But I think you're right. You see all those throwaways. He doesn't want to get hit. Right. He was probably dealing with the effects of that all year. one thing the whole year. And you didn't see the insane throws. And right. I don't think all of a sudden his arm's not what it used to be or he's not as aggressive as he used to be. I just think he was a little more limited and a little frustrated too. Um, 
what kind of workload do you think Devontae Adams gets? But more importantly, Aaron Jones. I'm a big fan of both. I think Adams might lead the league in targets. I think so, too. Yeah. I think, you know, we tried to sort of piece this together. I forget what team we were talking about last week and try to fit them into the roles that we've, as we've seen from, you know, what the Rams do and the Cooper Cup role and the Brandon Cooks role. Yeah, that was Cincy we were talking about, right. Yeah, I, I think with Devontae Adams, you're going to get that Cooper Cup type role where they're going to, if it's third and six, like that's where 12 is looking, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort Put it of up how, on the scoreboard. That's where I'm right. going. Right. Yeah, just tell everybody. I don't care. I'm still putting the ball there. And so I think he's going to see, like like you said, he might lead the league in targets. I mean, Von Scantlin, I think he's a nice piece. Equimania St. Brown, I think he's a nice piece. Geronimo Allison can do some nice things for them. But this is going to be a Devontae Adams passing game, I think. And he's going to see the lion's share of targets. You know, I'm intrigued by Jones. A lot of people really liked him coming out. And I think he had a couple of fumble issues, but I think that they're, you know, he's going to get, the, I'd say, most of the carries, you know, maybe like the lion share, say 50, 55 mm-hmm. percent of the carries, which, you know, is a pretty good pace. I'm excited to see Jay Sternberger in this offense. You know, I love Sternberger. I liked him coming out. Yep. He's a seam route machine. I think you're going to use him to sort of challenge those seams you get a lot of single high coverage in the nfl seam routes are the way to attack it so he's gonna do some nice things for them and then would you say this is a pro fullback account okay i love the fullback dan vitale played super back at northwestern you know he's with the browns for a while he's an absolute animal he's gonna he's not a fantasy aspect or no of course or anything like that but i got a chance to mention a fullback i did it with Janovich a second Twice ago. in a row now, dude. Twice in a row. This is, it. This is lo- Welcome to Locked On Fullbacks, friends. <laughs> right. I'm going to mention Dan Vitale because I loved him coming out at Northwest. I even wrote a piece about him, about how he played that superback role for the Wildcats. So, you know, he's a fun guy to watch. Not a non-factor as far as fantasy goes, but I've got to mention a fullback here. Uh, last note is I do love Sternberger. I think Graham is done, but my hunch is Sternberger really steps up in 2020. That's yeah. my hunch. Yeah. Dynasty um, players get Sternberger. Yeah, I have him now, everywhere. You're gonna have to yeah. pay a premium for him this time next year. Yes, exactly. I think his his stocks as low as it will ever go. Um, the Bucks are very interesting to me. I absolutely think they'll be better on defense. They have nowhere to go but up. I like to me the Winston Arians no risk it no biscuit is about as good a match as I can imagine. Maybe too good, you know. Like, is he going to throw even more picks? Is he going to throw the ball even a higher degree of difficulty, right. or is Arians going to reel them in and they be really good for each other? You know, th- at this stage of their careers, I think this is super interesting. I have made a fool out of myself, or made a fool out of myself two years in a row because three draft classes ago I said, "Give me Cardale Jones to Arizona for Bruce Arians," because oh, okay. that'll be a fantastic parent. Obviously, it didn't happen. Then two years ago was give me Patrick Mahomes to Bruce Arians because my goodness, that would be so much fun to watch. And it didn't happen. Now we finally get it, right? Winston, no risk it, no biscuit. Like you said, with Bruce Arians, a quarterback guru, the quarterback whisperer. There's going to be a guy to sort of resurrect Winston's career and salvage it because let's face it, entered a contract year. There's been no movement on it. It seems like the organization is like it's a put up or shut up moment for you. This would be the ideal situation for, for it to happen. And so I think – like you said, the defense is going to be better. 
they might even get a couple of short fields to play on. Imagine that for this offense. Right, imagine that. The, right. the passing concept is going to be great. I think that marriage between what Arians wants to do and how Winston approaches the position is absolutely ideal. I think you look at Blaine Gabbert brought in to sort of be that sort of veteran mentor type guy. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to have an effect on him. Let's not forget. Mike Evans is a very good receiver. They've got two great tight ends, I think, in O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid. Chris Godwin's emerging as sort of that slot-type, movement-type guy. You're going to see a lot of vertical passing out of 12 personnel, which is a great way to get defenses playing base against you. And now you're throwing seam routes to guys like Howard and Braid working against linebackers and strong safeties. They're going to put up some points. I think Howard's going to be a star. If Winston was a stock, I think it's down and I would buy it. I know Ronald Jones stock is pennies right now. That's a penny stock right, right now. <laughs> I think I would buy that for the cost. I think in that, if he can get protection down, he'll have a shot at least this year to show what he can do. And I think Godwin is a really good fit in the Heinz Ward, Wayne, Fitzgerald slot mold. But those guys were all established Hall of Famers types. They're not third-year guys. I mean, it's a little odd to me that the youngster's going to get that role, but stylistically, he fits it. Yeah. I mean, I'm so fascinated with the concept of how offenses dictate defensive personnel and then attack it. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea to go 12, to keep both tight ends on the field, and work against base. You know, we've seen other teams do it. We saw the Patriots do it in the Super Bowl with Haas Wajuke three straight times. And I think that's what they're going to do. And you'll see guys like, you know, Justin Watson and Brashad Perryman, if he can learn to catch the ball, you know, get some opportunities. But this it's is going to be a spot for him, though. Team. They'll throw him deep. You know, they'll throw the they'll, ball they'll deep to deep shots. There. Yeah. Look, Brashad, you've got one route to run. Yeah. Maybe two. We'll let you run a post route here and there. But that's it. Nines and eights. Go. Have fun. Right, like, right. That's what they're going to do. They're going to put up points. The defense will be Im- improved, but they're probably still going to have to throw to catch up into some games. So. This might be one of those teams where if you're a fantasy player, there's some value here to be had because, like you said, a lot of these players outside of, say, Mike Evans and O.J. Howard are going to be penny stocks that you can get for minimal value. Yeah, and I did a power ranks not that long ago. I had Tampa right in the middle, like 15-16. I think they're a much better team than everyone probably would rank them in such, such a situation. Such a good division. I forget who they tweeted were last it out. In the division, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I forget who tweeted it out, though, about this and about the divisions generally. I think it was Joe Marino who said, you know, there might be a division or two where you could see all four teams just having a shot. Mm-hmm. NFC South might be that division. I think I it's mean, the best one. Yeah, I it's 100% a agree. very good division. There's no bottom feeders, but we are going to talk about the bottom feeder, the Cardinals, in a moment. We'll be right back. Nowhere to go up but up from the Cardinals. I mean, the worst yards per play, the worst uh, points per game, basically any metric offensive you want to look at, the Cardinals were dog doo-doo. I mean, and so changes were made. We've talked about the changes quite a bit. I think Christian Kirk might catch 100 balls. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. They're going to be slinging it. Yeah. They know the offense that they're going to run. And... Important to remember, an offense that Kyler Murray was recruited to run out of high school. You know, Cliff Kingsbury wanted them to come to Texas Tech, wanted him to run this offense. Now he's going to finally get a chance to do it. You look at the additions that they made. How many draft picks did they use on wide receivers? Again, it was a barren cupboard at the wide receiver spot. 
But Christian Kirk looked good at times. They added Kevin White and then Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, get him in the fourth round, a player that some people thought might have been the best wide receiver in this class. Keyshawn Johnson in the sixth round, nice addition there. And so now you're looking at some pieces in the passing game. Cliff Kinsler is he, he can't use David Johnson worse than Mike McCoy did to start right, the year. Right, I mean, running it's impossible. 30, 31 gut with David Johnson attacking the A-gaps? Just no. That's just insanity. And so this offense is going to be better. And Kyler Murray can run it. Kyler Murray can change the course of games with his athleticism. He can extend plays. Defensive backs are going to have to cover three, four, five seconds into plays, which is when you get those breakdowns in the secondary that you can exploit. This offense, I think, has the potential on paper and stylistically and schematically to put up some points. Are they going to win a ton of games? No. But are they going to be, again, like we are talking about Tampa Bay, a roster to mine for fantasy football value? I think so. Yeah. Uh, a couple takes on this, and I was asked about David Johnson for Twitter Tuesday yesterday in a roundabout way, but basically they were saying, what kind of fantasy year do you think he's going to have? And what I said was, my hunch is they'll try it, but the running game will be slow start to finish. I don't trust the blocking, but Johnson might catch 100 passes. You know, like, I think his passing game production is going to be maybe the best of any running back in the league, including Kamara and McCaffrey and Barkley. It's going to be insane. And I hate to say it about my man Larry, but I could see him slowly getting put out to pasture because, hey, we know you're best in the slot now, but so are Isabella and so are Kirk and Hakeem Butler's good in the slot. And that's really the featured area of this offense. Why don't you go back outside and just teach these guys how to be professional receivers where I think he could have a low statistical year but have value behind the scenes and then kind of ride off into the sunset. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty good point in that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Why? why, I hate to say this, but why waste your time featuring Larry at his age and where this team is? Right. I mean, Larry's there, I think. And it's not a true apples to apples. It's more apples to oranges. But if you think about how Josh McGowan was there as like, player coach in a sense right for right. sam darnold he's gonna have immense value that going to be. right he's going to be a mentor he's going to help these guys in training camp and yeah he might catch you know 30 35 passes or so maybe maybe seven you know, touchdowns but that even, you, you know, know go up and yeah. get it or you know right yeah but you know he's not going to see a lion's share of targets and i think if you're one of those pp or ppr league i think david johnson still has incredible value to you because like you said he might you know, catch 70, 80 passes or see mm-hmm. a ton of targets at the running back spot, which is going to bring some value for you. And I think, you know, this is going to be year one of a two-year rebuild. They're going to figure out what they've got in these new receivers. They're going to figure out the offensive line because that was a huge issue for them last year. But I think there are some opportunities for guys like Isabella. Again, with Isabella, he's not a pure slot. He can play outside. He can do some different things. They're going to move him around. He's going to be the Julian Edelman of this offense where, yeah, you expect to see him mostly in the slot and they'll move him around a bit, but he'll do some boundary stuff. He'll do some vertical stuff. They're going to move him all over the place. And he might be the guy that's going to get a ton of targets too as one of the wide receivers. Yeah. I think Isabella might even be better as a speedster outside the numbers. A lot of wasted motion for a slot guy, not real precise yet. Didn't have to be at the small school. Um, I think I'm very much with you with Larry. I do think his production will spike when he gets traded to New England at the trade deadline, though. (laughs) 
every year since probably 2008, you get into the offseason. Oh, Larry Fitzgerald. It's become a meme in Patriots like Twitter where yep. you spotted Larry Fitzgerald at Logan today. Oh, he just landed at Logan. Oh, he's at the rental car counter. I mean, so, yeah. Dude, it happens here, too, because it's, his number's retired yeah. in the building that they share. Why wouldn't you bring Larry back to Pittsburgh? And I think he gets it in Minnesota, right. too. We need a third receiver. Yeah. Bring him home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is a mentorship year more than anything for Larry. If they could figure out the offensive line, you know, they'll score some points. And, again, the scheme will help. Gonna be, it's going to be better than last not gonna year. Win. It, could it be worse? Right, right again, right. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, I do think the blocking will look better to the naked eye. They necessarily won't have great players there. Next year's first-round pick in the top five might be the best tackle coming out. Uh, all those things add up to me. But I also think Johnson, Kirk, I think Hakeem Butler is going to be a better player than Isabella. I still am on his train. I love them coming out. And I think Kyler Murray will be very much in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna put, they're, they're going to be productive. They're going to get some yards. They're going to score some points. And the one thing about this style of offense where you're going to spread the other team out and tax base, it minimizes, in a sense, what the offensive line has to do. Because let's yeah, think about it this way. At. You know, air raid offensive linemen are often looked at with some skepticism when it comes to draft time because it's like, look, yeah, they don't give up a ton of sacks. The quarterback's getting the ball out and you've got playing with these wide splits and yeah, you're not giving up a ton of sacks, but you're not traditionally, you're horizontally set instead of vertically set. And so yeah. you're well, not even put their hand in the ground. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Right. And so you look at it this way. Now that you're going to run an offensive like that, you're going to minimize what the offensive line has to do. And so that will also help this group be better. Absolutely. Mark, you're the man. Let's do it again next Wednesday. This was a really fun talk. Always, my friend. It's always a blast. I feel like these shows could go for hours, and it's always fun to be with you, my buddy. Absolutely. Guys, I will be back tomorrow. Um, I think I got Sando lined back up, but my schedule and his schedule have been a little crazy lately. And we got such good response when Dwayne McFarland was on last year. We have three more teams we're going to talk about with him on Friday. So the rest of the week is very strong. Thanks again, Mark. That is a wrap, everyone. Over and out.